Tired of asking why? Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast, where we are answering life's most difficult questions. Now, here's your host, Teresa Blaze. Welcome to the Unresolved Life Podcast. I'm Teresa Blaze, and today we're talking Passover. Huh? Passover? What's that? You'll find out. But before we get to that, we're going to uh, do a little bit of housekeeping. So by the time this episode goes, goes live, Lord willing, we should have the first episodes of Social Hazard Radio out and ready for your consumption. That's going to include some episodes telling a little bit about the show. My husband and I have put a lot of work into this, and uh, I'm hoping it really takes off. I'm hoping you guys really enjoy it. It's something that God has been put on our, put on our heart. It's been a ministry of ours for a long, long time. You will find some episodes there. I believe by this time we should have some episodes on spiritual warfare. If not, they will be coming within the next week. So check them out. I think you'll enjoy them. Next, Unresolved News is still going. I'm posting stuff when uh, I get the opportunity. But man, with all these other uh, irons in the fire, so to speak, I've really had to prioritize. So keep your eye on it. Know the articles are coming, but things are just getting crazy. And finally... The Teresa Blaze Show. It should be or should have launched, depending on when you're hearing this podcast, on the 15th, or at least be submitted to iTunes. If you are someone who's looking to start an online ministry or start a faith-based business, this show is for you. And it will be a five-day-a-week show. It will be me. And sometimes I'll bring in some guest interviews, some kind of, you know, a little bit of bonus content to wet your whistle. So with that, needless to say, I got a few things going. Keep listening. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to leave unresolved hanging. I still got stuff coming up for you guys. I'm working on some interviews for you. As God shows me things, I'm, I'm recording them. Trust me, I've got a lot of things in the fire and a lot of things coming for you guys. So stick with me and it'll be a fun ride. With that, on with the show. Welcome, Landra. I think you're what? The first repeat guest, like serial repeat guest we've had? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you. So, Passover, just another Bible story, right? One of those ones you tell to the kids? It definitely is a story to tell the children, uh, but it's also a story that you find repeated throughout uh, all the scripture in one way or another, uh, but definitely with uh, Yeshua, with our salvation. So, it's definitely a picture of that, and we need to look at it. What? is Passover. Passover is uh, the story of when the Israelites were held captive in Egypt, and they had cried out to the Lord for salvation uh, from the enemy um, and from uh, slavery, and the Lord rescued through different plagues, and the last plague being death of the firstborn. They obeyed and were rescued. When you're dealing with a bunch of these plagues and with the death of the firstborn, what was the point of all the plagues? I mean, couldn't God have just said, hey, I'm God, you're not, you're going to let my people go, and that's it? Yes, he could have done that. But you, you have to also consider, and we have to also consider every, every one of these plagues pointed to a downcasting of one of the, the gods of the Egyptians. Can you give an example? Well, uh, for instance, um, darkness. 
um, it was going against, of course, the sun god, that Ra, that they would worship the frogs. You know, they worshipped that. They they had all of these different gods that they would worship, and he was proving a point. He was making a point and saying, "You will have no other gods before me. I am the one true God, and I am who I am, and I will rescue my people, and I will do it my way." And um, showing his power and might. And, uh, of course, with the, the death of the firstborn, he also proved his, his point and uh, rescued his children and showed them how with the blood of the lamb. That's very interesting. That is very interesting. So you're saying that not only were the plagues a way to get the children out, but also kind of a uh, let me prove a point to all, you, all your so-called gods. Yes. The first three plagues uh, you read about, the Israelites were also subjected to, but the last seven, um, they were not. Why do you believe that is? I may point to the end in time of uh, what we will endure and then what we will not endure. Not sure. Uh, that, that is very, it's very interesting to... Um, study and it's a great study but uh of course the passover everyone was subjected to and they had to make a decision whether they would obey him or not and whoever obeyed and did what he said they were saved knowing that this is a uh, a story that most christians might be aware of what is something that perhaps they are not aware of that say most Jewish communities or Messianic Jewish communities would be aware of that they should be? It's directly connected to Passover. This whole story is connected to Passover. And I don't know about you or other Christian believers, but as I grew up, I I was never aware of Passover or what that meant. I mean, I just truly was not. And it was hidden from me, not by on purpose uh, by my parents or anyone like that, but it was just a hidden thing from the enemy. He did not want any, any of us to know. And we didn't, we grew up with Easter bunnies and all kinds of other things. This is a beautiful, beautiful picture of his salvation. And Passover is also of course connected to the resurrection and which is the feast of first fruits, which is also unknown. You know, you have the Passover, you have three, three feasts that are all connected. Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and Feast of First Fruits. And these three are a shadow of what was to come with Yeshua. And um, he was perfectly aligned uh, with the Passover, with Unleavened Bread, and with the Feast of First Fruits. The, I mean, it was completely perfect as far as timing. That's, that's a huge point that we're not told of. How do you go about celebrating um, Passover and or these other feasts? Well, uh, Passover, it, it, all the feasts, by the way, are in Leviticus 23. And there, there's seven of them, including Sabbath. Uh, that's the first feast listed. But these are not Jewish feasts. Um, these are called my feasts. And this is God Almighty talking. And he says, 
in 23. I really want to press into that a little bit because that is kind of a very big mind shift because everybody thinks about when they think about these feasts in the, oh, that's just the Old Testament. That's just what the Jews had to do. Right. Well, uh, if we consider ourselves Israel and aligned with Israel, and if we consider ourselves being grafted in into the Commonwealth of Israel, and if we have Yeshua, who was a Jewish rabbi living within us, and we are to be live, live as him, uh, he celebrated all the feasts perfectly. And uh, in fact, his last uh, supper, or the well, it's what's called the Last Supper, it won't be the last one, but because <laughs> we'll get to do it again in heaven. But um, the night that he was betrayed, they were celebrating Passover with his with his uh, apostles. But the but the argument then is, well, he celebrated all the feasts and kept them perfectly. Therefore, we do not have to. But it says in Leviticus twenty three. Speak to the sons of Israel, okay, I think that's us, and say to them, the Lord's appointed times, which you shall proclaim as holy convocations, that's gatherings, my appointed times are these. And he goes in and starts talking about Sabbath, but then he talks about the Passover, and it shall be an eternal appointed time. I believe eternal means forever. That is why we do it. And it's not, we don't do it for salvation's sake. We, we don't. We have been saved by grace and faith. We, we do it because we love him. And he's trying to show us Yeshua. Yeshua is in the middle of it all. And if you celebrate Passover, you see all these little itty, I mean, just everything that we celebrate, Yeshua is in the middle of it all. And it's so sad that we do not get to see it until, you know, we are, these things are revealed to us. So the first Passover Seder, uh, which means order, set order, the first Passover Seder anyone would go to or hear about, I mean, you just can hardly believe what you're hearing because this is all about Jesus and no one told us, you know, and so it is wonderful. When Mike and I lived in Phoenix, we have some Messianic friends and, uh, you know, they invited us to celebrate a, a Shabbat with them and then they invited us to celebrate a Seder with them. And they started going through and showing all of the different like elements and how Jesus fit into it or Yeshua. And I remember walking away from that. I was so blown away. And I kept thinking, these people have a depth of faith I do not have. What is so different? I wasn't ready to do anything with it, but I kept it, it just kind of sat in my spirit for a while. Yeah. And, you know, this is, um, these are cycles. This is a cycle. These feasts, it happened, they happen every year. They're very purposeful by the father. He is the good teacher and that's how he teaches. That's how a good teacher teaches is in cycles. You go over it again, go over it again and teach in different ways. That, that word, when David talks about paths of righteousness, that word path is actually uh, from that it, it means a rut or like a, a cycle. 
And it's kind of like um, a horse that walks around in a grinding circle or an ox, you know, they make this rut. And that's what the path is. That's this, that's how that word path is. And it is a path of righteousness. So it's like in that, and that is an idiom for the feast. So anytime you hear of paths of righteousness or keep me in your paths, okay, that means your cycles, keep me in those because that reminds me over and over and over who, where my salvation comes from, and it comes from the Lord. He is the one who will deliver. And even for those that don't believe in Yeshua, Jews that don't believe in Yeshua at this point, uh, but still celebrate these feasts, they're celebrating waiting for a Messiah that we know has come. But they're waiting because to them, this is still a picture of the coming Messiah. So they celebrate all these things and we look at him and go, there's Jesus, there's Jesus, there's Jesus. I mean, he is in all of it. And there, someday their eyes will be open and they will recognize the Messiah, Yeshua. But this, this story of the Passover is all about, of course, the blood of the lamb, applying the blood of the lamb to the doorpost of their house, being passed over. By the angel of death. Yeah, by the angel of death and salvation. But the only way that they could be saved is if they did this thing of applying the blood. Killing the lamb was one thing. Applying the blood was the next. When you bring that into the um, standpoint of salvation, the salvation that we have today, the lamb was already killed. Yeshua died on the cross. But we we have to make the choice to say, you know what, I'm in. That's right. They are. They were protected or passed over because of this blood. And when they left Egypt, they left in haste. And so they, they had no time for their bread to, to rise because the yeast came from the air. There's, there's leaven in the air. And so it took time to rise. And it, they had no time to do that. So they left in haste. So it's called the bread of haste. And then they um, went towards the sea. And they rose up as a new nation after going through the sea. So this is all a picture of the feast. Are you aware of any um, archaeological proof of, one, the Israelites' existence in Egypt, or two, their um from a, a an outside standpoint of 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 their leaving Egypt, I'm not sure. I would have to look into the them living in Egypt. I know that there has been findings of um, chariot wheels that I understand that are in the bottom of the Red Sea. Oh, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, that's that's an interesting find. But I've not I've not actually looked at archaeological proof of their time there. I'm sure it exists, but I just don't know of it as. New Testament believers in Christ, how do we bridge that gap and then celebrate the feast honoring Yeshua? Um, I think it's a matter of faith (laughs) and trust that there might be just a little bit more that we're missing. And um, there's also connections. So I guess let me let me go through perhaps some of these connections to offer intrigue. Because without intrigue, then there's no reason for reaching. 
so, so if you have, you have these Israelites who, who applied the blood uh, on the doorpost of their house and they were saved. Okay. When we think about how, how we are saved, we are saved by the blood of the lamb of Jesus. We accept him and state his blood is upon me and I'm covered by the blood of the lamb. Okay. So there's the connection there. And then also as they walked, you know, they left and went through the Red Sea and they came up as a new nation. And that all happened in just a few days. This is all the same sequence. Okay. So you've got the Passover has happened on the 14th of Nisan. Okay. Uh, let me back up. The, the Bible states in Leviticus on the 10th and in, ex, in uh, Numbers, on the 10th of Nisan, uh, the Lord says that you will, you will pick a lamb and it must be an unblemished lamb. And you keep it in your house for four days and you keep it there to inspect it. Now, remember how Yeshua, okay, went into Jerusalem on a donkey and okay, that happened all about that same time as well before his uh, crucifixion. And he was uh, questioned by the high priests and all and deemed perfect. I see no fault with this man. Okay, so this all this is a connection there. Then the family uh, had to kill this lamb, knowing that this lamb was the only thing that would save their family from death. Okay, so they had to kill the lamb at the doorpost, at the door, uh, which is a picture of covenant. If you look into Near Eastern rituals and Near Eastern covenants they had the blood there and they uh, they applied it with hyssop okay so you have this this thing still this this still applying well on the 14th of nisan yeshua was uh sentenced to death the same time uh, that the lamb in israel or in egypt was being slaughtered 3400 years later yeshua was being hung on a cross and it all happens the same day. And, and you have to also consider that with the temple at the same time that Yeshua's is being hung on the cross, lambs are being slaughtered in the temple. I mean, this is exact same hour. Um, then you have what's called the feast of unleavened bread. That's the second feast and this all happens during Passover. This is like the Passover time. You you have Passover and, and Feast of Unleavened Bread usually during the same time. Feast of Unleavened Bread is seven day. During this time, Yeshua is in the ground, the cave. Okay. He's in the ground and he is buried. All right. Well, that was the same time when the Israelites walked through the Red Sea. They're being under the surface, if you will. All right. And it's the same time that Yeshua was without sin, no leaven, but he was he was hidden. And then people were also celebrating during this time, knowing that they were getting ready to present their grain offering to the to the priest 
Okay, now this this is now coming upon the feast of first fruits. So you have the feast of first fruits is when okay, you have Passover itself is is on the 14th. And then you have the first day of unleavened bread. That is a Sabbath. That is considered a Sabbath day. Even though it's not on the seventh day, it's a Sabbath of rest. So when you read in um, the Gospels that the next day was a Sabbath, okay, well, that's what they're talking about, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And they're not talking about Saturday. They're talking about the first day of Unleavened Bread, which is the 15th. You have the 14th, Jesus died. 15th, at the end of that day, after dusk, the people would gather the first barley, the, the first fruits of barley. And this is important because they would take this barley, beat it, and uh, bruise it, and put it in a sheaf to present to the priest to see whether it was a, uh, the rest of the harvest was acceptable. So they were, they were to give this token amount to the priest and the priest was going to present it to the Lord. And if it was presentable, then the, it, the rest of the harvest would be presented, would be presentable as well. Uh, I mean, acceptable as well. Excuse me. So this all happened on the Feast of First Fruits. So the priest on the Feast of First Fruits, which is Sunday morning, uh, is waving this grain offering before the, the Lord waiting for acceptance. And if this is accepted, then they know that all the rest of the barley in the field is accepted as well. So that's a picture of Yeshua. So that's what Yeshua did as well. He rose from the grave the same time that the priests are presenting all of this first fruit. Okay. And who is Yeshua? He's the first fruit among his brothers. So once Yeshua is accepted, the sacrifice has been accepted and he has been risen. Now that he has been accepted as um, perfect and acceptable, God the Father accepts the rest of the harvest as perfect too. What we're saying then is if because of what Christ did, we are not now. Wow. Um, we are now. Because the rest of the harvest is us. Yes, exactly. The resurrection and the acceptance of Yeshua to God the Father showed that his sacrifice was accepted by the Father. And we are now uh, part of, we are now accepted because of the acceptance of the first fruits of Yeshua. You know, it's funny. It's funny, though, because like. You hear about that, and you know, oh, because Jesus rose again, we can now come to the Father. But no one ever explained it from. No one ever made the connection of the Hebraic mindset and the because he this falls under the Feast of First Fruits. No one has ever really sat down and explained that. Yeah, I know we're we're missing it completely, and I mean we're we're trying to get the picture. We really, really are, but. And until it's all explained to us and we know the seasons and we know the harvest and we know all of these things, we're trying to relate it to a Western mindset and we just can't. And so we have to go back and really 
look at the look at the word again. Okay, what do these feasts mean? What what are they showing? And they're all, of course, pointing to Yeshua. It is it is just so so powerful. And just as the Israelites left Egypt because and and were set free because of their obedience and the sacrifice of the lamb, sacrifice of lamb first, and then their obedience of applying that blood, they left in haste. They walked through the waters. That's a picture of baptism, if you will, for us. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And then they rose up on the land as a new nation, turning around and watching the enemy die and be cast into the sea. And then they don't stop there. God doesn't say just, well, great. You know, now that you're free, you just go on and hope all was well for you. No, they, they don't know anything except pagan lifestyle. So now they have to go to the mountain and figure out how to live by following his, his orders, by following his commands, because they had no idea how to live. And so that is when uh, 50 days later, you have Pentecost. Or you have, uh, well, I mean, and that was in the Acts Church, but we have what's called Shavuot. And of course, that's coming later. But these three all took place Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, and Feast of First Fruits all took place and coincided exactly to Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. And we've completely missed it. And no wonder why the enemy wants to paganize it. I mean, no wonder why you got all this pagan garbage of Easter and all that kind of stuff kind of creeping in. Because he wants to have it hidden. Yeah, it's something that has been thrown into the mix and we need to sift it out. But the truth is to look at his death, burial, and resurrection and see where where was this? Where did it begin? What did Jesus celebrate? What what did he love? And even if you look at Paul and uh, Peter, I mean, they all still celebrated these feasts. So, you know, they had to be important. But there is so much to this, the even just the Feast of Passover, just, just that. If you look at Passover and how it is celebrated today, you will see, and, and for anyone who wants to just seek out a congregation, a Messianic congregation that has Passover seders, they are so welcoming and so full of grace because they too did not once did, did not celebrate. You know, I would say that in, in most Messianic congregations, you have probably half that are, have just come alongside their Jewish brothers and sisters and said, we want to celebrate with you. So you're in good company. If you just want to go and find a place because there's always Passover seders occurring. But if, if you go you will hear different things. And I can give you a, a quick overview if you want. I don't know how much time we have left. Yeah, I think we have a little bit of time. What they're going to do is they will give you a, an outline, uh, what's called um, Haggadah, which is uh, just a, an order. Um, and they will go through these 15 steps of the, the Passover. It's interesting because these 15 steps... Uh, there were 15 steps of going into the temple. So it is a, it is a means, it's a way of ascending into where 
the Lord is to celebrate. And the final step is of praise. So you, you start in bitterness and unleaven and you end up in praise. But there are 15 steps that you'll go through. First, though, it, it may be told to you about how they eat unleavened bread. There's no leaven found in the house. And um, about a month before Passover, the woman of the house starts going through the house and, and getting rid of all this leaven, anything with leaven, because it all represents puffing up uh, pride, sin. So they want this all out. And of course, there was no leaven you know, to be found in the bread uh, because it was uh, eaten in haste. And of course, it, it also points to Yeshua being without leaven. So uh, an interesting ritual that is very beautiful, um, one thing that they do is the father of the house um, on the day of, of Passover will go through, actually, I think it's the morning, the day before, he will go through the house and the mother purposely leaves a little bit of leaven. And the father says, okay, I'm going to go look for it. And it's all hidden, you know. I'm going to look for it. And he takes a spoon, a wooden spoon, which you, you need to see these, the symbolism here, a wooden spoon and a feather and a white cloth. Okay. He goes and finds the leaven. He sweeps the leaven onto the wooden spoon with the feather. This is all representative of the Holy Spirit, the cross. Okay. He, he gets all of the leftover leaven, wraps it in a cloth and takes it outside of the house. Okay, so that is like a huge picture. All right, so then, okay, that's that part. But, but then you also have uh, four cups of the Seder that you will drink during this time. And they all represent what is going on with our salvation. So the, the first cup is the cup of sanctification or setting apart. And um, they all come from, I believe it's Exodus 6, 6 through 8. So just to read through that, the four different points. You have the cup of plagues, you have the cup of redemption, and you have the cup of praise. Now, am I right in thinking if Jesus was celebrating Passover, then one of these cups is actually known as what we would call communion? I mean, used in what we now call communion? Yes. Okay. So the, the first cup is sanctification and that means being set apart. So think about, think about that. Okay. Then you have the second cup of plagues. Well, Yeshua took that. That was the, please take this cup from me, but not my will, but thine be done. Okay. He, He took that cup. So we don't have to. The third cup is the cup of redemption. When he says, this is, this is the cup. Uh, my my blood shed for you. Okay, this is what he's talking about. Yes, and then uh, and that is the same cup that we drink. You're right in communion. That's why we declare his death until he comes by taking this communion. And then there is a fourth cup, the cup of praise, and that is when he says, "I will not drink this until I see you later." Right. And so that will be the cup at the final wedding. That is incredible. That is absolutely incredible. It is. It is so beautiful. 
And to know that, you know, all these cups represent various things. You know, these are, these are even cups that occur during a wedding. The, there's so much to tell you, but um, like a, a bride and a groom and a, uh, then the, the plagues is when they discuss the, the points of the wedding and then the, the terms of the wedding. And then the third cup is when, if she drinks this cup that is offered by the bridegroom, if she drinks it, she is promising to marry him. The fourth cup is drunk at the wedding. I mean, it is all, it, 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 oh, there is so much to this feast. But um, a, a final thing I, I will tell you is what is called the afikomen. This is a bag called an echad, which means one, but it's a bag that has three sections. And so they put three pieces of unleavened bread in there. Okay, now think about this. The middle piece is taken out by the father, broken in half, wrapped and hidden uh, until towards the latter part of the meal. When the children, okay, I'm trying to make this poignant here, until the children are encouraged to go find it. Then whoever finds the hidden bread comes back to the father, presents it to the father, and the father gives the child a gift. <laughs> okay. And that bread then is broken by the father and handed out to all who are at the meal. I'm thinking, I mean, that brings so much meaning to sayings that Jesus says, I'm the hidden man. I'm the bread of life. I'm thinking of uh, passages where it says he was broken and bruised for our iniquities. He was, man. That uh, matzah that they have, it has holes in it to represent his piercings. It has stripes in it to represent his beatings. It has bruises upon it that represent all of his bruises. It is broken. And he broke it there and said, do this in remembrance of me. It's not just do communion, do Passover, be broken, eat of me, eat of me. And an interesting tidbit is, um, I just learned this just a couple of days ago that the plural of matzah, it's matzot. The word for commandments and commands is mitzvot. So those two words, actually, without any vowels, cannot be deciphered. There's no way to tell what you're talking about, whether it's matzot, more than one, or commandments. And so it's the same thing. It's the word the word of life is, <laughs> you know, eat of me, right? Eat of me. So <clears throat> unless you eat of me, you cannot be saved. I mean, it is just. Wow. I mean, that is, that is incredible. That is honestly incredible. It, it would be so, so beneficial to um, attend a Passover Seder and I will tell you, um, I have been asked by uh, several to do some videos of different aspects of the Passover uh, because some are not near Messianic congregations and they just want to know 
what this is all about. So I'll, I'll be posting those soon. If you wanted to have, yeah, you know what? I mean, and, 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 and guys look up some of her videos on owners of life. Cause she's done a lot of work and, um, you know, I would, I think that would be actually very beneficial to those that are interested. So. Okay. I'll be posting them in the next couple of weeks because Passover is on the 19th of April this uh, year. And that happens to be Good Friday uh, for those who celebrate um, Easter. No coincidences, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, just, just, to, just to know, Passover does apply because it is the application of his blood. It is the obedience to apply it. And it is um, the escape from slavery into new life. Amen. 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 I was thinking, I think one of the, the more interesting, because I've heard a lot of people bring this up, uh, like in passing. I would really like to bring you back to actually walk through a Jewish wedding and and how that applies to us as the bride of Christ. Mm, wow. Uh, powerful powerful okay well i tell you what as we go through the feasts um this is all all the feasts point to the wedding supper of the lamb and so uh perhaps maybe at the end of the feasts um or as we're nearing the the fall feasts which point to the wedding um we can talk on that I would love to. Yeah. Landros, thank you so much for coming and and it's been a joy explaining this wonderful gift of Passover. It is honestly something um, that a lot of people do not know about or they do not understand it from the uh, messianic point of view. Um, and so I thank you for your time and for your knowledge in this area. I just want to end this by saying this. If you're listening to this and you're not a believer, and you recognize in talking that we have something that maybe you don't have. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And in context of uh, the Passover, every single one of us is in slavery to sin. But the beautiful part is, is that with Jesus' death on the cross, with Yeshua's death on the cross, he set us free. But just like the Israelites had to apply that lamb on their on the doorposts, you have to make the choice to apply it to the doorpost of your heart. And the best way to do that is, is to ask him into your life. Okay. And you do that, but just simply asking, you confess your sin. You say, Hey, F Father God, I, I confess that I am a sinner and I need you and I need your salvation. And you, you, you know, you admit you're a sinner and then you, you say, you know, I believe that, that Jesus Christ was killed on my behalf by his death on the cross. He, he was in the grave for three days, and then he rose again, and then he's coming back again. Guys, that's the gospel. That's the good news, as they call it. And I'm telling you, if you start with that, and then you begin to walk this path, your life will change. But it starts with a prayer and a choice. So with that, if you have any questions whatsoever, please feel free to contact me. Teresa at Unresolved. Life. I'm Teresa Blaze. This has been the Unresolved Life Podcast. We will speak again next time. You've been listening to the Unresolved Life Podcast. To catch all our past shows, go to unresolved.life. That's unresolved.life.